Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have a tidbit about Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and Carl's Jr., and a meaty middle about thingamajigs, doohickeys, and whatchamacallits. But first, a big thank you. Last week, Grammar Girl won Best Education Podcast in the Podcast Awards. So thank you to everyone who nominated the show. Grammar Girl is my full-time job again now, and the only reason I can have this weird, wonderful job that I never even could have dreamed of as a child is because of all you listeners who support the show. So let's get to it, Guardians of the Grammary. Mike wrote in with a question that I've always wondered about, too. What's up with the apostrophe in Ruth's Chris Steakhouse? It seems like a really weird name, like it should be Ruth Chris's Steakhouse. Fortunately, the company has the story on its website, and after you hear it, it'll make sense. There really was a Ruth, and her name was Ruth Fertile. In 1965, she bought a steakhouse in New Orleans called Chris Steakhouse, and she ran the restaurant for many years, turning it into a huge local success, according to the website. But in 1976, a kitchen fire destroyed the restaurant. And for some reason, the terms of the sale when she bought the restaurant wouldn't let her open a new restaurant in another location with the name Chris Steakhouse. But she needed to move to stay in business after the fire. So to get around the problem, she renamed it, putting her name in front. It was her steakhouse, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Now it all makes sense. And Ruth's Chris Steakhouse has locations all over the world. Mike's question also reminded me of another company with a strange apostrophe in its name, Carl's Jr., which is a fast food burger restaurant. I knew two Italian exchange students who were confounded by Carl's Jr. They had learned about how English apostrophes work, and Carl's Jr. didn't make sense. They thought it had to be Carlos Jr., or that we were just messing with them. Again, there really was a Carl, and his name was Carl Karcher. In 1941, he opened a hot dog cart in Los Angeles with his wife, Margaret, and within a few years, they had a whole restaurant called Carl's Drive-In Barbecue. Carl's Jr. came into being in 1956 when they opened two smaller restaurants, one in Anaheim, California, and one in Brea, California, and they called them Jr. because they were smaller versions of the bigger drive-in barbecue. So, just like a son who's a junior is maybe thought to be a little version of his father, or at least a chip off the old block, the two junior restaurants were smaller versions of the parent restaurant. The two new restaurants also had simpler menus, so the concept of junior in this case could also mean simpler, like how Boggle Jr. is a simpler version of the regular Boggle game. But whether they were juniors because they were smaller, or juniors because they were simpler— or both, they were Carl's Junior Restaurants. On the subject of confusing apostrophes, fans of the show My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend may recall Rebecca's irritation with the name of the local nightclub, Spiders. She complains to her friend, is it possessive spiders or plural spiders? Every time I see a flyer of it, the apostrophe moves. Episodes later, Rebecca causes a scene at the club, but briefly escapes the ensuing drama when she overhears the owner's name, Mr. Spiders. She was relieved to know the answer, and I hope patrons of Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and Carl's Jr. feel the same way. Thanks for the question, Mike. 
And now on to thingamajigs. What do you say when you don't know the name of a gadget or item, or when you can't remember what it's called? The word thing works, but English has a number of other words called placeholder names that you can use. Some sound a little silly, and as you'll learn by the end of the episode, one is even sweet and delicious. Plain old thing has been used in English since before the year 900 and comes from Old English. Originally, way back in Old English, a thing was a meeting. And although today it has many other uses, it can still refer to a meeting or event, as in, I'm going to this thing tonight. This sense of the word thing is a cognate of, or a word related to, the Dutch and German form of the word, which is ding. Now, get ready for some interesting variations of thing. The one you might hear or use most often is thingamajig. This can be spelled with a letter A in the middle or a U. Other forms include thingy, thingum, thingamy, thingamabob, thingumbob, thingamadoodle, thingamadudgeon, and thingamananny. There are lots of things to say about these words, but we're going to focus on the most common one. Thingamajig was first used around 1870. Its origin is unclear, but the word is a combination of thingam and jig. Dictionary.com says that the word is metrically patterned like gobbledygook, and then it might come from the gradational compound thingam thingam, which is also based on the word thing. A gradational compound is when a word is duplicated with a variation in the vowels. Besides thingam thingam, other examples are mishmash, ding dong, and wishy washy. As for jig, the word has a number of meanings when it's used as a noun. It refers to certain parts of machinery, specific devices used for fishing, and a mining apparatus. And thinking back for a second, you may remember that the English word thing is related to the German and Dutch word ding. Well, the word dingus is yet another way to refer to a gadget or device. It also began its life around 1870. Now for another group of fun placeholder names that refer to a frivolous decoration or a gadget. Doodad and doohickey are the most common ones in this bunch. Other variations most of us have never heard include do-funny, do-hinky, do-jigger, do-wangum, and do-whistle. Both doodad and doohickey originated in America in the early 1900s. Doodad may also be a gradational compound, possibly based on a meaning of the word dad that's used in Scotland and northern England. In this sense, dad doesn't mean father. It describes a lump or flake or piece of something and is probably related to the word dab, as in have a dab of butter on your toast or I need a dab of rouge on my cheeks. Someone who's flummoxed by fashion might describe a brooch or a fancy hair clip as a doodad that someone was wearing. Language experts think the do in doohickey is the same do you find in doodad, but nobody knows the origin of the word hickey. Although today hickey usually refers to a mark left after a passionate kiss, it originally meant essentially the same thing as doohickey. Along the way, somebody just seemed to add the do for fun, giving us doohickey. Now for the last word on the list of words to use when you don't know or don't remember the name of something, especially a device or a gadget. This word might be the most fun of all. You might also consider it delicious if you like candy. What am I talking about? Whatchamacallit. This word has the most recent origins of any word we've mentioned. 
It appeared in English between 1940 and 1945. Unlike some of the other words for gadget or thing, this word has a clear history. It's a smashed-together way of saying the words what you may call it or what do you call it. In addition, it's a candy bar produced by the Hershey Company. A whatchamacallit candy bar contains, quote, chewy caramel, rich chocolate, and peanut flavor, unquote. It's been around since 1978. But this isn't the only Hershey candy bar whose name is relevant to the topic of this episode. The company briefly produced one called Thingamajig. This limited edition bar was released in 2009 and briefly brought back in 2011. Although you usually know the name of the candy bar you want to buy, sometimes you don't know the names of other things. You might use the old standbys, thingamajig, and doodad to refer to such items, but now you have other choices, too. It's unlikely that a candy bar called Dewangum will appear anytime soon, but you can have fun saying this word and the other unusual ones like it. That segment was written by Bonnie Mills, author of The Curious Case of the Misplaced Modifier, who blogs at sentencesleuth.blogspot.com. Thanks to everyone who left reviews on Apple Podcasts last week. Word girly listens in her car driving to work from lush, green, beautiful Alpharetta, Georgia. And no word girly, you didn't need a comma after beautiful and before Alpharetta. Hote Fitness listens during cardio sessions at the gym, and Tony in northern Indiana listens while getting ready for bed, and mentioned that the phrase at sixes and sevens is in the song Don't Cry For Me Argentina, which I had forgotten. And thank you also to Alcazar and Darkmoon7771, who left a review but didn't say where they listen. And hello also to Philippe on Twitter, who listened en route to a soccer match in Brazil, and Chris, who listens from home in Wales. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. I'm also the founder of the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network, which means you can find all my old podcasts and accompanying articles at quickanddirtytips.com. Plus, you can find all the other great podcasts in the network, like The Savvy Psychologist, whose recent podcasts include Five Easy Ways to Help Your Anxious Child and Your Anxious Self, and How to Handle a Toxic Family Member. Good stuff. That's all. Thanks for listening. <laughs>